Welcome to Beyond the Bench, a podcast sponsored by, and in conjunction with, Gordon Leadership Services. Beyond the Bench is a podcast done by ADs for ADs. Every week in this podcast, three Iowa high school athletic directors talk about current program issues we are dealing with, special moments we've had, a quote of the week, some hot topics, and we will, of course, have some fun along the way talking about things happening with our family and friends. We'll talk with special guests, including athletic directors currently doing the job, retired ADs, and people we work with inside and outside of the school who help to make our program successful. I'm Todd Gordon, currently at Des Moines Roosevelt High School, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial High School and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy High School. All three of us have taken different paths to our current positions, but we believe our separate journeys will make our discussions interesting and informative for ADs from schools of any enrollment size. All three of us have been active in the Iowa High School Athletic Directors Association. I currently serve as the president of the IHS ADA, and Scott and Aaron are both recent past presidents. All three of us hold certifications from the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, the NIAAA, with Scott being a certified Master Athletic Administrator, and Aaron and myself holding our Certified Athletic Administrator certifications. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions, current situations, or concerns you are dealing with in your program, and you would like us to discuss them, feel free to email us. Our email address is beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. That email address again, and this is all one word, is beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. And now let's get to today's podcast. Hey everybody, this is Todd. Welcome to uh, today's podcast, uh, Beyond the Bench. Uh, just a little heads up, we had a little technical difficulty, so there's a little glitch right, right towards the middle, uh, so I apologize for that, but uh, thanks for listening, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, here's your podcast. First, enjoy this little music from the 70s. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody to uh, Beyond the Bench. And uh, we missed last week. I uh, had, well, it was my anniversary last week, 35 years with, uh, with Deb. And so we were kind of out of commission and people were kind of out and about. So we, we missed last week and I hated to because I was looking forward to it. But here we are. We're actually kind of a day late now because technical problems last night. 
in uh, the Gordon household with the internet just wasn't cooperating, kind of sketchy. So uh, we're better tonight. And here we go. Hi, Aaron. How are things in Cedar Rapids? Things are great over here at the 319, Todd. How about over there in the 515? Well, you know, for uh, having no snow on the ground, I'd say it's pretty good. When it's snowing in the desert and snowing in Oklahoma and it's dry here, I'll take it. You'll take it. You know, I, I had to drop that. So my senior son, William, told me if I want to have, we want to have a really hit podcast, we have to drop area codes and things like that. So I had to drop that in there today. He was he was mad at San Antonio. I didn't drop the area code for San Antonio down there. So I, I had to make that up tonight. So well, now we're hip. Of them, so you made up for it. Yeah, well, we're hip now, Todd. Beyond the bench, right, we've gone to the next level. Uh, the area code on my phone is 712. So now we've Ooh. got three of them in there. There you go. There yeah, you go. so we're good. Uh, that's good stuff. No, uh, doing well over here. Uh, had had a great break and a great start here back into uh, the 2019 half of the school year. So uh, excited to get back after it after a nice uh, time off. Uh, talking about that, you mentioned, Todd, your uh, 35th anniversary, I believe it was, uh, that you guys just celebrated, you and Deb. So uh, I know that was part of a big Christmas uh, season for you. What what were some of the highlights of your, your break here the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, we kind of had a late Christmas, actually, because my my kids from Salt Lake City are here now, and uh, they came in last week on New Year's Eve, actually. So we, we had Christmas, actually, uh, New Year's Day uh, with my family. So it was really Christmas Day for us was just kind of mellow. We went to my youngest daughter's and had lunch there, and then uh, Deb and I actually went up to, to Okaboji to the lake up there for four days and uh deb deb is very blessed and fortunate she can work from home so she's able to work up there and uh i was able to do nothing kind of stay out of her way a little bit so actually just really took the whole week off and relaxed and it felt really good 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 for you guys uh that's got to be a little different going up to the lake and it wasn't frozen up there yet yeah i mean there were uh about two thirds of it's frozen, and I think they've had a, a pretty good freeze here the last week or so. But it's been in the 30s up there this week too, when it's been so nice here. But they've got winter games up there in about three weeks, so I think they're getting a little bit nervous. Last year it was uh, that was a stretch. Probably you remember when temperature was like minus 20 uh, oh, back yeah. here, and it was minus 20 up there. We were up there last year over Christmas, and it was just freezing. This year it was. It was really pretty decent. It was in the teens, but still about 30 degrees warmer than it was last year. So it's it was still nice. People ask me, they say, what do you do when you go up there in the winter? Absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, that, that felt pretty good, too. That's that's kind of the point. It's quiet. A little, little just kick back, relax, reflect time. That's all. That's nice to have. Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had a great break. Yeah, what about you? How would uh, your break go? You know, we had a... We had a we had a nice break. I know you mentioned in the uh, the Christmas Eve one that you did. We had the the opportunity to head out as a family. Uh, you know, I don't know how many more times you, you know this, Todd. As as the kids get older, with my oldest in college now and, and my senior, my junior now, I'm not sure how many more times we'll have all five of us on vacation, just the five of us. But they wanted to do an experience Christmas again this year and and take a trip as a gift rather than do the traditional Christmas gifts. And so we headed out to uh, Steamboat Springs out in Colorado, uh, skied for three days out there. We had done that seven years ago, back in 2011. Uh, they were 13, 10, and 9. 
uh, the kids were when we took them out there last time. Uh, went out there again uh, this year. This time they're 2017-16. Very different experience uh, out there with them this time around. But we had a really good time. Uh, beautiful place. Very family friendly. Lots of great downtown. Lots of great restaurants. Uh, had a really nice time out there. That's great. Yeah, you're right. Uh, those memories that you make when they're a little bit older are pretty special because the time is coming when you're going to start adding to that. And that's fun too, but every stage is fun as a parent. I know that too. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we enjoyed that. So that was nice. And then Jeanette's family uh, came into town, came to the house for a couple of days. So had 16 people in the house for, Oh, almost two full days. Um, that's always, that's always a lot of fun and a lot of chaos and the, the cousins, it's fun to listen to them. Uh, have fun, play board games, the banter back and forth, the ping pong tournament. Uh, just good to to have family in the house then also. So we had a really nice, really nice time. Great. That's good. Um, well, well, hey, you know, we've had the opportunity here, uh, Todd, in, the, in, in a couple earlier episodes, to get to know two-thirds of the Beyond the Bench crew. But, you know, you're kind of the mastermind of this thing, and we haven't had a chance yet to – to get to know Todd Gordon and, and, and get to know a little bit more about you. So we're going to take advantage of tonight. Uh, you know, Scott, unfortunately, isn't with us tonight. He's under the weather, which doesn't happen much for, for him. But uh, we're going to use tonight and get to know Todd Gordon a little bit. So um, tell me, uh, just, you know, your family. You've talked about them an awful lot. Uh, but I don't know, Todd, just talks about your family a bit. Um, kind of you guys' uh, history as a family guest, uh, them growing up, what that was like and where they're at now. And, and share some of that stuff with us. You bet. Happy to. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Deb and I celebrated 35 years uh, last weekend. We got married on one of the coldest days back in 1983. Uh, it was negative wind chill then, too, and it was so cold they didn't even decorate the car. So that was kind of nice, actually. But um, <laughs> we've been been, uh, you know, blessed with three kids. Uh, they're they're 30 and 28 and 26. I've got a son that's 28 and the other two are daughters. Um, so three kids, they're all married, uh, four grandkids. You know, it's, it's really a, a fun stage of life uh, for us right now. Our, our oldest daughter is a, actually a certified pastry chef, which can be kind of dangerous, uh, but handy when it's <clears throat> time for your birthday cake or birthday cheesecake, whatever the case might be. It's not a bad deal. So, um, that's, that's good. They, they've been living out in Salt Lake city. Her husband is a, a Baptist minister and, uh, but they're actually in the process of going back and, uh, we're excited for that. Um, they're actually here right now, taking a little time and getting some things worked out. Uh, so they're going to be back in the area in Des Moines area. Uh, we're excited for that. They have two of our grandkids, actually the oldest and the youngest. They've got an eight year old. And uh, then an almost one-year-old that will be one at the end of this month. And then uh, my son, AJ, uh, is married uh, to Reagan. They've been married a little over two years now. And uh, he's a men's basketball coach at Graceland University down in Lamoni. Uh, he's had stops at Midland University, uh, where he graduated from. He's a grad assistant there. And then he had a couple years at Simpson College. And then now down at Graceland. And... Uh, his daughter, or his daughter, his his wife Reagan, uh, is a kindergarten teacher at Hubble Elementary in Des Moines, uh, right by Roosevelt, where I'm at. So she's up here in this area all the time. Um, fun last year. Uh, 
again, uh, you want your kids to be better and have better experiences, I think, than you did. And last year, uh, Graceland was a national champion, NAIA Division I national champion. Uh, so we spent a week down in Kansas City uh, following the team, uh, being with the team down there. Just fantastic experience. And uh, one of those things they can never take away from you, being a national champ. So uh, that was just a, a lot of fun. Uh, my youngest daughter, Abby, is married uh, to Anthony, and they live up between Boone and Ogden. And uh, they have two kids, and uh, they go to the Ogden School. And uh, Abby is a physical therapy assistant and does uh, landscaping, work in the landscaping business, kind of a supervisor uh, for a. Uh, so they're busy, and, uh, you know, we're going to have all of them here for for a while anyway. Uh, so it's, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, my, my career has been kind of like you think about that old book, where's Waldo. I think sometimes they played, uh, where's Gordon. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, I guess that's been kind of my lot, uh, in life or my lot in this profession is, you know, I've, I've had the, I, I call it the fortune uh, to move around and uh, to be some different places, do some different things. Um, I think they've all been done for a reason and uh, I think done for a purpose. Um, and so th that's been kind of cool to see how that's kind of worked out as well. But um, I actually, when I went to college, I went to college, I started at Simpson college and I was actually, you talk about, I think you were pre-med um, I was actually a music major, a vocal music major uh, wow. when I first went to college. And I uh, kind of the time when I was a sophomore in high school, I was just kind of told, you know, you need to go be a maybe, you know, be a music teacher, be this, be that. Uh, so I went to Simpson and it was really more performance opera type stuff. And uh, I don't know. They're just it's like when you go and you're, you're an athlete. You tell kids, you know, you're going to go be an athlete in college. Well, that's your job. It's 12 months a year. And uh, to be a vocal music major at that time at Simpson, it probably still is because it's, it's pretty well known for vocal music. Um, it was a job and you had to practice and you had to do all that. And I just, I didn't have that passion for it. So um, I actually, I, I quit and I worked for a year, worked a couple different jobs um, and uh, then went to Iowa Western in council bus for a year and then went to Northwest Missouri state. And that's when I, uh, became more of a, a phys ed type, um, uh, teacher and education and, and coaching. And, you know, this, the story I tell about this is I was, I was actually, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I'd probably been, uh, working and I remember standing in the hallway in Griswold, Iowa, watching the basketball camp. And, uh, a man I admire greatly, uh, you know, next to my dad, probably the biggest influence in my life, my basketball coach. And he he came up to me, and I had long hair, which in the 70s wasn't, well, it was 1980, but uh, wasn't that big a deal. Now, there's something. We should pause on that. I'd like to see Todd Jordan long hair. He walked away. Huh. And that was it. Huh. Probably within the next 24 hours, I told my mom and my dad I was going to go back to college. And I went to Iowa Western and took my basics and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. But, um, you know, he had the courage to come in 
I know Curry, but he just, he told me like I was, he told me what I needed to hear. And, uh, I've always appreciated that. And, uh, he's been a, a mentor and a close friend ever since that, that time as well. So I graduated from Northwest Missouri state in 1985. And my first job was in Walnut, Iowa. And get this, I'm going to tell you what I coached. And, uh, I was the head volleyball coach. I knew nothing about volleyball. Uh, and volleyball was pretty, just getting started really back in the mid eighties. It had been going for a while, but it wasn't as complicated as it is now. I'll tell you that. And it wasn't going to be because I was coaching it. Uh, <laughs> I was head volleyball coach. I was head girls basketball, which of course that time was six on six. I was assistant boys basketball. I was head girls track, head boys track. And then in the summer I umpired baseball and softball. So, you know, I'm 23, 24 years old. We're married. We got married when we were juniors in college. And uh, that was my first job for two years. And then I knew I, I wanted to be a boys basketball coach, head coach. And uh, so I went to uh, Lisbon, Iowa, which at that time was the wrestling capital of Iowa uh, in 1987. And, uh, you know, cocky, arrogant uh, young man, young coach I was, I, I knew I could turn that Lisbon into uh, the basketball capital of Iowa. And uh, one win my first year and three years my second year uh, taught me that you got to have some players. And it's just not about, you know, what you can spout off and talk about. So, but I, I learned a very valuable lesson at Lisbon. Brad Smith, you know, the legendary coach there who was at Lisbon, then Iowa City, then, then now back at Lisbon as well. Uh, watching his practices, and watching them compete, um, it made me appreciate and know that a basketball team that I coached wasn't going to get beat in the fourth quarter. That we could be conditioned, we could control that, and we could be in shape, and we could just continue to uh, just be better at that aspect and uh, be excellent in the fourth quarter because the Lisbon wrestlers didn't get beat in the third period. They just didn't. And they did that because they worked hard. So that really shaped a lot of my coaching, a lot of my philosophy. Uh, I was watching Brad Smith coach wrestling. And um, from Lisbon, then in 1989, went to Manning, Iowa, and uh, was there for 10 years. And uh, our youngest two were born in Manning and got a lot of lifelong friends there. And uh, that, that was just a, a great, great uh, experience for us. I was head boys basketball there. Uh, and teaching, of course, and uh, coached a couple other things. But uh, then in, in 1999, I felt like I wanted to try something else. And uh, I wanted to try the college game. And uh, it just so happened that my parents' alma mater, a small Christian college uh, in Norfolk, Nebraska, uh, I think out in the 402, as they might say, <laughs> um, it was opened up, had an AD head boys, head men's basketball. I did a little teaching there. I was dean of students, a lot of hats in a small college. Um, but I experienced that for two years. And uh, even though it was the smallest level of college basketball, it was still college basketball. You still had to recruit. Uh, you had to travel. Um, my kids were young. Uh, and it was a great experience. I experienced some things there that I'm glad I did and that my family did. Um, but I knew I just didn't want to travel at that point. And I just felt like my, my place was back uh, at the high school ranks and, and 
being in the high school area. So um, was fortunate to be hired by our good friend Mitch Osborne at Harlan and uh, went there for four years, uh, coached the girls basketball, taught a couple different things, special ed, uh, some middle school uh, computer applications, and uh, was there for four years. And, uh, and in, in my last year there, 2004, 2005, uh, in October of 2004, my mom passed away unexpectedly. Uh, just got sick, and about two weeks later, she was gone. And uh, mm. just a really, really weird thing. And I think at that time, uh, it really – it really brought me back to what's important, and that was family. Uh, I think sometimes when you're coaching, when I was coaching, I'd, I'd get out of kilter a little bit. I could, I could catch myself, um, but my son was going to be a freshman um, my last year there, and I got to coach my oldest daughter uh, at Harlan, which was a great experience. But my son was going to be a freshman. At that time, the Hawkeye 10 was playing a lot of girls at one site, boys at one site, and I wouldn't be able to see him play. And I think when my mom, my mom died, uh, that just really changed my perspective. And I knew I wanted to not miss that. Didn't want to miss that opportunity. I also knew I wanted to be an AD and I wanted to pursue that. So I was fortunate to, to get a call to go to, to trainer and uh, went down there. I was not a head coach that my, my last head basketball coaching job was in Harlan. I was a varsity assistant on the boys' side, so I got to help coach my son uh, for four years and then did a couple years after that as well. We were in Harlan for seven years. I was the AD there, teaching PE, you know, wearing all the hats they have to wear, coaching. Coached uh, head golf as well, boys and girls golf for seven years at trainer. Um, and then wearing that hat. Um, and actually, I, I didn't finish my master's degree till we were at trainer. And I, I finished a master's degree from the University of South Dakota. And uh, so I had that. And then knew I probably needed to or wanted to pursue a, a full-time position um, doing this. And I was, was fortunate to get hired at Carlisle. So we went to Carlisle in uh, 2013, I believe. And I uh, was there three years and then had an opportunity to come to Roosevelt and Des Moines. And I've uh, been here for four years now. So, uh, you know, it's we've kind of – we've gone place to place. and But, you know, Deb and I talked about that uh, a couple different times. And we talked about it last last week as we were out eating, you know. And I said, you know, is there one place that you would like to be – if we could have stayed somewhere, where would it be? And she's kind of like me. It's like, well, that's really not what we were called to do. I think we were called to to be different places. We've got a lot of friends in a lot of different towns. And all those experiences have really shaped who we are, kind of how we believe and uh, what we do. So I think it's all been for a reason, all been for a purpose. It's kind of served a purpose within our family. Um, and I've kind of seen that play out as I look back on, well, you know, if we wouldn't have been here, this might not have happened. Uh, I, if we wouldn't have gone to Norfolk, Nebraska, to Nebraska Christian College, I don't know that my daughter would have wanted to go to college there and then met her husband. And then, you know, those wheels are in place. So um, everything's kind of had a purpose. And I, th I think it's been part of a plan and uh, just been blessed to be where I've, I've been at, worked with some great people, uh, some great coaches, some great administrators, and have tried to learn bits and pieces 
to make me who I am as well, too. And I'm just very thankful for the path that we've taken. Well, yeah. So, you know, long story short, uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. Well, you know, Todd, you had you'd alluded in the past to that that long journey, a journeyman career you've kind of had and, and bouncing around a lot of places. And, I, you know, I agree with you 100 percent. It's amazing how when you're 25, you can't figure out, well, how did I end up here and what what am I doing here? And when you're 45, uh, it, it all makes sense as to why you were there when you're 25 and what had to transpire and happen there to to make what's going on. And when you're 45, a little more relevant uh, and, and real. So. I agree with you 100% on those experiences. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. So, well, hey, I, I did. I, I know we're gonna. We want to get in talking about managers and leaders, but I, I got one question that that I, I wanted to get to with you real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and I had two of them written down here. I'm trying to pick which one I like. I like best here that I, I wanted to ask you, and I, for those out there listening, and I think I'm gonna go with this one. Um, since I've known you, Todd, I've just admired this very quiet. Uh, quiet strength about you you're a very calm uh, person you got a very confident demeanor um, one of the things I, I think that really does for us uh, anytime I'm around you working with you is it, it lets us get away from being problem focused and move towards being solution focused and I'm, I'm curious where I think that's one of your greatest strengths at least that I've grown to admire here in the past several years uh, where do you think that comes from uh, in in you your experiences or, or your family background well I think, honestly, I mean, you go back to my parents. Uh, my dad just turned 80, and he's been a minister for, you know, well over 55, 56, 58 years, whatever it is, since he graduated from college when he was 22. He's not full-time anymore, but he still preaches. And I, th I think probably deep down, and Dad and I have talked about this a little bit once in a while, um, is that really we're kind of almost in the same business you know, we're dealing with people. He's, he's dealing with people on a spiritual basis and, and things like that. And I think, um, you know, I have my faith too. And I, I believe part of, you know, the plan has been God's plan. And uh, so I think maybe I'm probably, I have some of that pastoral care in me, I guess. Um, and dad, dad is a, was a tremendous, his, his greatest strength. I mean, he was a great preacher and still is a great preacher. Um, but I think his greatest strength was when he would visit people in the hospital and just sit with them and be with them and just kind of be on their journey with them. And I think that's, that's probably what I like to do more as an AD. Um, I like to just be with people and try to help them on their journey. Um, and you kind of, I guess I just, I let people do their jobs and it's kind of the same way when you talk about, I think the leadership we have going on in the IHS ADA, people have responsibility and you just kind of let people do what they're, they're assigned to do. I don't try to overmanage people. I don't try to overstep my bounds. I try to do what I'm supposed to do and trust that other people do what they will do as well. Um, can always offer opinions. And I think we, we kick back and forth a lot, especially in the IHS ADA. And I do that with my coaches too. Uh, it's a lot of open conversations. Um, but I try to let people grow and let people grow as leaders. And I think a lot of that's just really pastoral. It's listening. Um, and I, I think 
this will segue into manage, management and leadership, I think, as well. But um, I think being a leader is, first and foremost, being a listener and uh, not having to get caught up in who we are. It has to be my way. It's, it's, it's got to be our way and what's best for us. And um, I think I got a lot of that from my dad. Uh, hmm. You know, you just, I, it's just a kind of a way of life. I saw him model just the way he worked with people. Um, just very, very gentle, quiet strength, uh, but very compassionate, uh, full of grace and mercy. And um, I think that's probably, probably the way I've, I've been. I wasn't always like that as a coach. I'm ashamed to say, I think I, I grew that way as a coach later in my life, but um, I guess as you age, you become more like your parents and the more like what you grew up with. And I was fortunate to have a good model for that. And so I think it probably just comes from him more than anything. Cool. Thank, thanks for sharing that. I, like I said, it's something I think most of us admire greatly about you and, and, and you're right. I think that leads us right into the, the topic we wanted to take on tonight of, of, you know, as athletic administrators, are we managers? Are we leaders? Are we both? Uh, how do we manage that? And I'm, I'm listening to you there just kind of reflect on your dad and, and, and your quiet strength and demeanor you've, you've kind of gained from your dad over the years. And, and I heard both things going on there. I heard things like don't overmanage, let your, let your people, uh, you know, have the freedom to do their work and make their decisions and support them in those decisions at the same time, be there listening, um, looking for moments to, to give them guidance, keep them moving the right direction. Uh, and, and I heard you just describing, I think that perfect balance, but Maybe I'll kick it to you first and let you uh, expand on that a bit. Or, or, you know, what are we? Are we more leaders? Are we more managers? Um, uh, maybe what are some of the pitfalls of, of, of trying to balance those two in your opinions, Todd? Well, I, yeah, I think we're both. And I think one of the things I was thinking about, you know, there's always the management tasks we have to do, whether it's paying some bills or paying some officials, you know, just some things we have to do to make sure our uh, department's running well. Uh, you know, we got to send out the reminders for games and get all the stuff ready for games. And I think, but how we do that, I think we, we show leadership by how we do those management tasks. Are we detail oriented? Um, are we organized? Do we follow through uh, with things? Do we communicate those effectively? Those are, those are all managerial things, but I think how we do that shows, shows our leadership as well. Um, you know, we ask our coaches and directors to do that, to communicate, to follow through, to pay attention to details. Um, so when we model that for them and doing our managerial tasks, I think that's, that's a part of leadership. Um, you know, one thing our, our fantastic executive has said over and over, and I think it finally started to take hold a couple of years ago, is that as athletic administrators, activity directors, athletic directors, whatever our title might be, we are middle management when it all comes down to it. You know, we're in charge of some things, but at the end of the day, we're middle management. We've got somebody above us, and we've got people that we're overseeing, you know, below us a little bit in a hierarchy type of thing. Not necessarily like that. Doesn't sound good, but um, but we're middle management, um, and we got to report to somebody. So I think to say we're always leaders 
takes that middle management out of it. And we can't deny the fact that we're middle, ma middle management. So I think we have to almost, um, well, let's get your take before I, I think sure. about some things, practical things, the way we do that. Oh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I agree an awful lot there with what you were talking about. Those are some of the, the same thoughts that I had there. Um, I want to come back to what you're talking about there where, you know, we expect our coaches to be good managers. We want them to manage their practice time, manage their equipment, manage their, their facility and their space. Well, um, because we know that will help them be the most effective leaders they can be. Cause if they're taking care of those things, then we know they're going to take care of the student athlete and make sure they're having a great experience. And that's what our role is as athletic administrators is, is make sure we manage, uh, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's so that our, uh, it gives our coaches an opportunity to have the best experience they can possibly have and be the best, uh, the best leaders for our kids they can be. So I, I agree. We, we show a lot of leadership in the way we manage. I think the other, uh, the other balance we have to find um, in leadership versus management is um, there's no doubt, as you said, we can't, we can get away from being managers, um, but we can't manage everything. And I think that's one of the, the, Hardest, that's true. Yeah, that's one of the hardest lessons I learned as, a, as a, probably the first, maybe I would say six, seven, eight. Some might even say it's taken me more than 12 years to, to figure out. Uh, of course, I'm in my 12th year, but um, that I can't manage everything. I You've got to be willing to let some other people manage things for two reasons. Uh, one, um, if you want to have time to get to those big rocks and those leadership things you know like one of the big things i'm taking on this year is, is the student leadership uh program that i'm trying to kind of get rolling and get moving with well i i had to give up some regular day-to-day -day management types of things to give myself time to develop that research the things i want to talk about etc so i had to give up some of the things I, I felt i had to manage and trust somebody else to do that so that i had the time to get to the big rock leadership types of things i, I wanted to to get moving forward on and get them from paper to to reality um, and the other side of that is that when we try to overmanage things, um, micromanage things, as you said earlier, we do, we probably do one of the biggest disservices. And, and, and I, I feel like I've done this more than I, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Um, but, you know, you mentioned your earlier coaching, you wish you would have done some of those things different. I think some of my early AD, um, I micromanaged so much that I denied people that were working with me opportunities to grow we've got to be willing to to delegate or give away management to give other people chances to grow and develop and 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 become the best they can be um and we forget that sometimes we think we're you know i want to be this super manager busy all the time and, and i can do it all um sure but what are you denying somebody else in terms of an opportunity to take on their own leadership and their own goals and aspirations so we have to remember that's a part of our management and our leadership is know what we can give away to give other people a chance to grow so we can keep growing ourselves at the same time. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm curious when you said that, um, just for the ADs that are listening to us and me, what are some things that you gave up? You talk about that, but what did you give up uh, so you could gain some more time to do some leadership things? <laughs> Funny you'd ask that. I thought about this a bit. Um, for years and years, I, I said, when, you know, we made the big shift over to, to our school today, all of us have now moved on to this web-based 
you know, activity scheduling and, and you just put the game in once and then it takes care of the contracts and all that stuff for you. You know, you go back to the way we used to do that, Todd. Um, you know, it used to be uh, when I first started back in 07, I was handed this this triplicate process of you. You type the schedule into the spreadsheet and then you handwrite or type it into the contract. And then you handwrite mm-hmm. type it into the officials contract and then you handwrite it into the calendar. I mean, by the time you'd written down, I'm playing Linmar on January 8th, 2008, four times. I, by golly, I knew it two years from now on January 8th, 2008, I'm playing Linmar. It just stuck to memory. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I share that because I always joked about I wanted to manage the schedules. I wanted to manage the input of the schedules because it helped me put the schedules to memory and helped me have an idea of who we were playing and when. Well, that was one of the things I've, I've given up. Julie, my, my, my sec- I say secretary, uh, she's the boss. We all know that. Um, <laughs> she's taken on more of that schedule entry and those types of things, getting the, the schedules put into the system into our school today. And, and that's freed some time up for me. And guess what? I still know when the games are. <laughs> I still know who yeah. I'm playing with. It's, I, I just this, this thought that I had to control all that so I knew what was going on was really ridiculous. Uh, and so finding those types of things to say, I don't really have to do that. She's great at doing that stuff. She loves doing it. It's helped her grow uh, and, and do more things and keep her excited and, and energized. And I'm moving on to things then that I can focus on. So that would be an example of one thing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, you're right. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I, I love schedules. I love, you know, I guess we're fortunate here in the CIML that our schedules are pretty much done for us. There's a few things, few schedules we have to do and manipulate, but for the most part with as many conference dates and conference schools as we play, we don't have to come up with much. And uh, so that is kind of, you know, given up for us as, as well too, but uh, you're right. I think it's in our, everybody's situation. What are some things that you can give up uh, to let other, I mean, Aaron said it, you said it great to let other people grow and, and grow their leadership skills. And I think you hit on a key point too, is that you let somebody do something new and it's, it's going to give them some enthusiasm, something different. Cause we all know what that does to us when we have a new task to do, or, you know, you've taken on this, this student leadership, which um, is a big project. And I'm sure that has energized you just like uh, it's, it's energizing Julie to do some scheduling as well. Yeah. It's really worked out well for us and she's excited about it. She likes taking that stuff on. So I, I, I think as, as, as leaders uh, and managers, uh, Find those opportunities that, that maybe you're either you think, well, if I give that up, will somebody else do it as well as I do it? Or are they capable of doing it? Or will people perceive me as less than I am if I give something up? Will I appear less busy? Man, we've got to get past that stuff and get back to what are the important things we need to get accomplished and what's the best way to to share responsibilities and share leadership and share management so that we can be the most effective we can be for our kids. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's, I mean, we, we know, I mean, it's, it's difficult, difficult for you. I mean, honestly, because you and Julie are a two man team, correct? Yes. Yeah, we are. You don't have, have an assistant AD, even like a stipend assistant AD. Um, 
And I'm fortunate to have two of them. Um, and so, but I've kind of given them some responsibilities, kind of the same things. Uh, and people sometimes will ask me questions about some of their responsibilities. And I'll say, well, go ask Derek or go ask Jacob um, because that's their deal. And you're right. You feel kind of bad saying, well, it's, it's under you. Don't you know what's going on? Well, kind of, but they're the ones doing the project. And the minute you start micromanaging or uh, throwing too much at them in, in terms of ideas and things, then they're just going to let you do it. So I think we have to be prepared to say, well, go ask, go ask Julie. Um, she can tell you better than I. Yep. And I think that, that just builds some, build some trust within our people, I think, to let them do their job. Um, still have to monitor it. I mean, if we're responsible for it, we've got to make sure it gets done correctly, but that doesn't have to be done day by day, minute by minute. You know, that can be done at a, a meeting or just a touch and base at the start of the week. And there's ways to do it without really being digging your hands too deep in it, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Nope. I agree a hundred percent. I really do. So I, um, I, I think there's some good things in there. I learned some things from you about how do you, how do you best balance those two things? Hopefully the folks out uh, that get a chance to listen to this will it'll give them some things to think about as well. Yeah, I think, and I, I met, uh, oh, it was probably two or three weeks ago. Uh, one of our ADs, Bill Watson, Dr. Watson um, at Urbandale, who I think is one of probably the most organized ADs we have among us. And uh, of course, he's got a military background, went to West Point, um, was in the business arena for a while, and now has been in the AD at Urbandale for a number, number of years. And I told him one of the things I really respect is how organized he is. Of course, I, his desk is just spotless, and that's the way he keeps it. He's a zero inbox guy, which I admire. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, he does it. But I said, so how do you manage your day? I asked him the same question, management, manager or leader? And he said both. Um, but here, here was his day. I thought it was pretty insightful to it. it. I mean, it's simple, but it, it's his steady routine. He starts the day doing management tasks, whatever that looks like, till about 10 o'clock. And then from about 10 to about 2, he works on his leadership things. They've got a pretty extensive student leadership program there as well. Yeah. Yep. And coaches leadership. He does a lot of stuff with his uh, coaches and uh, athletes as well. So he'll work on that for three or four hours in the middle of the day. And then at two o'clock, he goes back to management because, uh, you know, then he's getting ready for games, things like that, or where he has to be. Uh, he's got a lot of meetings, too, with some of his hats, but he, he just kind of breaks it up. And kind of stays with that routine as much as he can day by day, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I've thought about that an awful lot. Of I've, I've got a, you know, email uh, can be a blessing and a curse. It'd be one of the things I, I imagine. And I, I'd love to talk to to Bill about that. Of okay, so when you're doing leadership things, do you turn the do you turn the email off so that you don't hear it chiming? Because that's what I mean. Email is management. Uh, if, if that mm -hmm. if that thing dings, it's a management issue and is it something I'm going to take on right now or do I have to, can I do it later? But either way, it takes your focus off of, uh, of what you're working on. So I'd be curious to know how he, how he manages that or does that. But I keep thinking all the time about how do you, I think that's, that's the, 
the twenty or twenty million dollar question in, in athletic administration, and it's it's we don't have a corner on this market. Pick the profession, but managing email and the things right. that come with uh, every time that computer dings, uh, and how do you work that into your day um, yeah. and still be effective? I, I did ask him that exact question. I said, "So when you go to leadership tasks, do you answer your email?" He said, "Yeah, I look at it." Okay. And because I think him being a zero inbox guy, oh, yeah. I think he just tries to get through it. Now, if it's something big, he says, I might put it off till I'm done working what I'm working on, but I know it's there. Uh, so he does look at it, hmm. may not answer everything right away, but he's, he still has it going as well and sees it. So anyway, there's just some insights from him. I thought that was interesting. I enjoyed meeting with him and, uh, tapping his brain a little bit because he's he's a good one oh yeah sure yep i would agree well i I think it'll be interesting because i think when we get scott back when he gets healthy and gets going uh it'll be fun to get his thoughts on this too briefly and let him expand on it because he's had a lot of experience in it as well too and uh, you know i i guess i would invite anybody with thoughts on it email us Uh, whether it be a personal email at our school or um, to the email for this podcast, beyond the bench, GLS at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think or tweet at us, anything. Uh, anyway, I'm anxious to hear from people out there and uh, get their insights as well. I'd rather have this be more interactive, I guess, than anything when it comes, comes down to it. Anything else on that before we wrap it up here, Aaron? No, I, I think we've hit that pretty well. I, I'd agree with you. I'm, I'm anxious to, uh, once we get this thing out there to some folks, and I'd love to hear their opinions or, or their thoughts. And, and if they've got some great ideas they want to share, I'd love to get them on the podcast with us sometime. Uh, I, we're hoping this thing becomes more about us learning than anything else. So uh, if you've got ideas, share them. We'd love to love to have you on. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Aaron, thank you. Um, let's hope uh, Scott's getting back on the mend. I noticed actually as we were recording this, he tried to call me. So uh, he must want to talk a little bit. But uh, even though he's not here, I want to congratulate Scott Jarvis again, uh, Distinguished Service Award winner at the National Convention. Uh, we're all awfully proud of him, proud to have him in the state of Iowa uh, working with us. And uh, just congratulations, Scott, on that. And then also to our other inductee, Steve Duncan. Uh, former Valley AD uh, into the National Hall of Fame. That was really a great night. That uh, yeah, was. At the awards night. It was a lot of fun. So congratulations to those guys and uh, look forward to, to more down the road with them. But anyway, I want to thank Aaron again for the, the time. And uh, it's always fun. It energized me for, the, for Tuesday. I know that. I'm looking forward to tomorrow now, getting back in it and applying some of these things. Again, uh, people out there, if you're still with us here, I invite you to interact with us, either online, send us an email, either to Aaron, I, or Scott at uh, our schools, or hit us up at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. So, you know, Aaron, have a great night over there in the 319, and... uh, a great rest of the week with you and the Candy Cougars over there. Well, same to you over there in the uh, the five one five or the the seven one two, whichever one you happen to be in. Now we're uh, looking forward to. It. I'll go catch the rest of that national championship game. It looks like it's going to be a great game. So, uh, thanks for your yeah, time. Yeah, let's tonight. do it. You bet. Hey, take care. Thanks everyone for joining us. It's been Beyond the Bench.